Hi and welcome to the Psyche Podcast where we discuss all things mindset, mental well-being and living your best life. I'm your host Hannah and I'm a mindset and mental well-being coach and founder of Psyche Coaching. Welcome and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey everyone, happy Wednesday. That was very upbeat, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, I'm, still in, I'm still in a good mood uh, from Monday's episode, probably because I'm recording these intros back to back uh, and there hasn't been a dip in my mood yet. So, um, but I hope you are having a good midweek. I uh, hope November is treating you well so far. And I'm not going to waffle much. I say that, I probably will. <laughs> but I really want to dive straight into this conversation with Alan. Uh, we had a lot of a lot of laughter at recording this because Alan is all about trying to find the positive in situations that on the face of it just don't seem positive at all. Uh, which, you know, can you think of a time like that? <laughs> uh, yeah, he's all about finding the positive in troubling times. And I think this is a really timely conversation uh, if you are feeling just ugh, feeling the weight of everything that is going on at the moment um I'm recording this sort of one o'clock on Saturday there is an announcement that the PM is doing a press conference at four there's rumors that there might be another lockdown so when you listen to this who knows we may be in lockdown we may not I don't know um but yeah I just think this is a really really timely message uh probably has been timely for the last couple of months so yes I really hope that you enjoy this episode and you get a lot from it and I'll speak to you after so let's dive in hi everyone welcome back and I'm really happy to welcome this week's guest Alan to the podcast so Alan welcome and if you could tell us a little bit about yourself well I'm uh, bald <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said that, except, uh, you know, listeners can't see me, but we can and I can see each other and she obviously sees that. Um, <laughs> by the way, being, being, I don't mind being bald. My father had the same amount of hair as I do, which is very little. And you could not say he was bald. Uh, he would get very angry. And I thought that was kind of ridiculous. Actually, it was a good lesson for me how to, um, appreciate what we're given so um and i do a lot of humor so i tell people i'm a former expert in how to cure baldness <laughs> <laughs> former expert yeah um so i'm also an award-winning professional speaker i've done that for over 20 years a bit of a retirement right now and uh an author of I have to count now, 32, my 32nd book will be coming out in December. So uh, I do a lot of writing and, and have done a lot of speaking, uh, showing people how to deal with not so funny stuff. Mm. That is a lot. Pardon me? I was going to say that is a lot of books. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of books. Some of them, uh, to be totally honest, some of them are reprints, but... Mm -hmm. Then new covers, new introductions, new uh, publishers. Uh, so uh, whenever a book gets a new ISBN number, which is how they track books, um, I think it's considered a new book. That's me. That's, you know, I have more, but 
that would take up the 40 minutes <laughs> or whatever we have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, since so, yeah, so you said that you, um, yeah, you help people to kind of deal with that, that not so positive, uh, life experiences, um, and to sort of see, see the positives. Uh, so what, how did you get into this, this kind of work? Was there anything in particular that kind of prompted this move? Uh, yes, it started when my wife had a terminal illness, so primary biliary cirrhosis. It was a rare liver disease. At the time, there were no liver transplant. And uh, <clears throat> she passed away three years after we found out she had the illness. And she was 34 at the time. We had a 10-year-old daughter at the time. Um, very difficult time, lots of tears, lots of anger, lots of um, difficulty, uh, you know, questions I would ask is typical of people going through major crisis like that, like, you know, why is this happening to me, you know, how am I going to deal with this, so it was a very difficult time, but Ellen had a great sense of humor and continue to use it during those difficult three years. Give you one example, Hannah. She was in the hospital with a copy of Playgirl magazine with the male nude centerfold. And she said, Alan, I really like this man this month. Can you put it on the wall by the bed over there? And I said, Ellen, it's the hospital. Not, not too great for that. She said, well, why don't you get a leaf from the plant and cover up that part? And I did that and things were fine for the first day, fine for the second day, but by the third day, the leaves start shriveling up. <laughs> and we will look at the picture, we would <laughs> laugh. And I realized, Hannah, looking back, it wasn't a lot of laughter, it was five or 10 seconds, but it helped us rise above the situation, gave us a reprieve, um, helped us get through even just momentarily what we were going through. And after Ellen died, I realized how important humor was in those kind of really, really difficult situations. And nobody was talking about that. Nobody was writing about it. Uh, Norman Cousins talked about a humor healed him get through a, a, a very difficult illness. But nobody was really writing or talking about human death and dying. And so I started to do research on that. and. Um, I went back to school. I got a master's degree in human, H-U-M-A-N, development. And my thesis was The Healing Power of Humor, which turned into my first book, although the writing in the book and the thesis is totally different. Um, and that book is now in a 40-some-odd printing and 11th or 12th uh, foreign language translation. So it it... I think it hit a nerve with people that this is an important subject that not a lot of people were talking about. Mm. It's so therapeutic, isn't it? Just laughter and it, it can really lift us and kind of snap us out of things. And the thing that kind of struck me as you were talking, I was thinking about British humor and we <laughs> quite often we have quite dark humor sometimes. Oh, I and love, I love British humor. It, it's my kind of humor, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think sometimes it's like that borderline of <laughs> is it too much or is it okay? But I think sometimes that, and particularly for yourself, if you can, and I think a lot of British comedians do this, they kind of take their challenges and misfortune and difficult things they've been through and they turn it into 
their material and kind of find the, the, the funny side. And I suppose in a way, if you can take that really difficult thing, find the light and the humor in it, that's, you're kind of transforming how you feel about it to right. a, a more positive, you're, you're separating out. Well, the, and, and the, reason, the reason for that is if you can find something funny in a difficult situation, you're seeing it from a different way. You're seeing it from a different perspective. So you get to, you suddenly, you, you create a bigger space between you and that difficult thing. And so it helps you just, um, as I said with my wife, it helped me get on with life. Um, things were still not great. I mean, I, there were lots of tears, but just momentarily, you know, it could help lift you and so you can get to the next moment, basically. And, and yeah, and often, I think what comedians do is often they'll joke about things that are serious that we don't talk about. And so if they can joke about it, at least we're listening <laughs> and we're talking about it on some level. So humor has a lot of uh, benefits. The other thing I guess I should bring up is humor could put down people, could hurt people. So there is a kind of a balance that you have to, to take there. Like you said, sometimes it's a bit of, not off color, but um, what, what would you say? I'm, I'm lost for words. Uh, yeah, I guess a bit, what's the, the phrase, like too close to the bone or something, a bit too far that I guess you can kind of laugh at misfortune, particularly if it's maybe your own misfortune, but if it feels like you're laughing at someone and at their experience, then that's when it... Right, so taking it too far, yeah. Yeah. But the other, as you're talking about that, I realized things that we thought comedians took too far years ago is perfectly normal for comedians to joke about today. So things do change too. I'm thinking about like Lenny Bruce and, and people like comedians like that, that... Um, but British humor, it's just, um, they just hit the nail on the head. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and some of the comedians I love, they have the really kind of awkward, <laughs> the awkward thing completely down. And it's, it's the whole thing. It's like the body language and the, you know, everything, which is, um, which is a lot of fun. And, but, you know, actually, when you were talking about things that we don't talk about, and I, this might be a controversial thing to bring up on the podcast, because we have quite a lot of US listeners um, but uh, I really like a comedian called Jim Jeffries, who's Australian, and he does this sketch about gun control in the US. And as a sort of outsider, obviously, kind of gun culture is a completely kind of foreign concept to us as Brits because we just don't have guns. But that's really interesting because it's a, a topic that people have very uh, powerful opinions on. And he's sort of an outsider, comes in, does this brilliant you know, bit of comedy, which actually... A lot of it's very common sense as well, but because he's doing it kind of in a jokey way, he's making these points. And I, I quite quite often rewatch it because it's like, well, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of true what you're saying. And uh, what's his name? I'd love to. Yeah, Jim Jeffries. Jim Jeffries. I'm going to write it down. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and so it's obviously, and actually, he does comment on the fact that in the audience, he's and the clip on YouTube, he's delivering it in the US is that kind of half the audience are like, ha ha ha, yeah, it's, it's funny. Half are like zoned out because they're like whatever. And half are really angry, or not half, but you know, a proportion are really angry because they're like, 
don't take my guns. <laughs> so yeah, he kind of comments on, on the, you know, perceptions, but I think that's really interesting taking that kind of social issue in a funny way, but making valid, po- I think valid points about it. And one of the points you just made is that, um, you know, everyone has their little thing that maybe you can't joke about. Like with my father, it was his bald head. With the people who love having a gun, you can't joke about that with them. So that's the kind of tightrope. If you want to use humor with other people, uh, you really kind of have to know them or know, you know, what their hot buttons are yeah. <laughs> uh, because it could really upset uh, other people. And I think that, again, if you're, if you're joking about your own experience, that's one thing. And, and I think of a, a comedian in the UK called Rosie Jones and she has cerebral palsy. And so she will joke about that. And that is like a lot of her material. But if I made jokes about that, if I made the same jokes, that would be completely inappropriate. But because it's her life, her experience, that, that's okay. And but then you're kind of laughing at her experience as cerebral palsy. So it's a really kind of, you know, yeah, a kind of difficult, sensitive area. But, you know, she's kind of owning her experience and seeing the humor in it. And that's what she does for a living. But. Yeah, yeah. So humor is kind of a mixed bag. It's mostly great, but could also um, hurt people. So be a little careful of how you use it. Yeah. Uh, so you... Um, you are a jollyatologist. So uh, what, what is that? <laughs> Tell us about that. <laughs> well, I made it up. Uh, That's the beauty of it. <laughs> yeah, I believe we could make up, be whoever we want. And uh, I, I went to school to learn about therapeutic humor. I got a master's degree in it, um, in human development. And in Greek, laughter is jellos, G-E-L-O-S. And so I thought I'd start calling myself jellotologist. <laughs> and people thought I made that dessert, you know, that jello dessert. So I changed it to um, jollytologist. Uh, and it is um, copyrighted. So, and, and the reason I say it's copyrighted because... Uh, after people heard that, there's now an enthusiologist, a happyologist, a joyologist, <laughs> a, um, but I'm the world's only jolly tologist. Ah, so. now, now I'm like, well, can I like trademark some kind of something? Yeah. But <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, do it. Do it. I, I love it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah, I don't know. There's something to think about. <laughs> so, yeah, so obviously, so you have the, the jealous, the, the jolly. So, yeah, what does it, What's involved? How do you, you know, live up to this, uh, this title? Well, I'm only human, so sometimes I forget to laugh. But, um, you know, I, th- uh, I just want people to realize that, you know, to lighten up, I guess. Uh, so one of the other things I call myself is the ambassador of light, because I realize it's not just humor, but it's more like positivity. So, and, and one of the things when I do workshops or my keynotes that I've done, um, I go through the letters L-A-U-G-H, and the A is attitude. And I realize, particularly now in time when people are going through a lot of difficult uh, difficulties, 
A attitude is really the almost the only thing we have to to get on top of this and control our feelings, our choice. It's all choice. Everything we have throughout our life is our choices, the choices we make. And so I think we have to remember that right now. And the interesting thing, Hannah, as we were right before we came on here, I picked up a a little booklet from Unity Spiritual Centers that I got a couple of weeks ago. And I was reading and, and the sentence just popped out at me. With every thought I think, it's up to me to choose which direction that thought will go. I can choose love, I can choose peace, and I can choose joy. And I was thinking in the time we're going through now, what I've been doing is looking at the positive things, because I have the choice of looking at, oh, look at all the people that are sick and dying and uh, the economy is tanking. And, you know, I can focus on that and I could just bring myself down, have a miserable day and stress out, which is not good for my health. Or I can make that choice and look at, okay, I'm going to try to find some positive in this. What what benefits, what um, things have happened that would not have happened without um, the, the COVID. And so I start doing a whole list. So just a few in my life. My daughter, who lives in the same city I do, but we used to call about once and twice a week. Now we speak every single day on the phone. We talk about how our day went, what we've done, what we're having for dinner. <laughs> We both started a garden this year um, because that way I can get out and not encounter a lot of people. I get my exercise, I get my sunshine. Now I'm getting my vegetables and strawberries, uh, uh, which I wouldn't have probably gotten a lot before because I wouldn't have been out there tending it so much. I went to or had an encounter with a um, neurologist for something I was going through and he said, he likes doing Zoom calls now because he deals with a lot of older people who if they have to come to the office, how to get dressed, how to maybe get in their wheelchairs, have somebody wheel them over, you know, try to get a taxi. He said now we can just get on a Zoom call and just chat with them and find out what's going on. So, so he liked that. Um, the other thing, I start doing a list. So. Um, couple of other things that I like is right now in the U.S. at least there's a lot of theater and actually National Theater Live I've been watching every week on on TV. I love their shows. But what I, they're doing now is a lot of actors are reading plays and they're coming from their house, their living room, their bedroom, the kitchen. And I'm a big Broadway theater person. And so I love seeing where these people live. Sometimes it's really humorous. Like there's one actor that I really love and she had the most ugly house. <laughs> the couch, you know, the painting, the color. The <laughs> and it would be something I would never get to see, never. So that was, and then I'm even finding humor because uh, we have a wonderful neighborhood where we have people volunteering to do shopping in supermarkets or markets for us. And so last week we had a French woman and we asked for two bags of raisins. 
and she brought back two boxes of grapes <laughs> because in French, <laughs> raisin is grapes, and <laughs> uh, raisins are raison sec, I think, which is dried uh, grapes. So um, we had a big laugh at, you know, and suddenly we had really good grapes for two weeks, but <laughs> so there was even laughter there. So I, you know, my point is, we think all of this is negative, and yet we can look and find things that are not so negative in, in what we're going through. So if we can look at that, we're not as stressed, we even might find some humor. Um, you know, like on the radio yesterday, they were interviewing people and how things are affecting them. And one woman said, oh, we have a brand new baby and I've got to stay in and watch the baby all the time. And I'm thinking, lady, you have all this wonderful time with your newborn. Um, shouldn't you be joyous about that? Because uh, before the COVID, a lot of people were complaining, I don't have enough time, I can't do this. I'm... So celebrate the time you have to do things that you didn't do before. I mean, I can go on and on about looking for the positive and the negative, but th those are a few of the things. Yeah, I was just thinking of the, um, yeah, a couple of things, but of the, the humor in our town had a leaflet they sent out to everyone asking people to check on your kind of five nearest neighbors to sort of build that. But they had a brilliant thing, which was that um, the, the six foot, the two meters is bigger than you think it is. And they had things for reference for the space. And my favorite was it is one Billy Connolly lying down. So you have to make sure you're one Billy Connolly away from each person. It has these really random measures that are not ones that you'd think of, but it was just that bit of humor in this kind of serious leaflet. Right. Uh, and it's you bear with me a moment. Yeah, yeah, I've been looking for that on the internet and I have a, I have to move stuff out of the way uh -huh. here. Hold on a minute. Yeah. But um, it was also on a banner <laughs> in the town. Um, very similar. Here's a sign that um, somebody put out. Mm -hmm. I want to get it right, so I need to read it. It says, um, please keep your distance at least four dancing penguins apart. <laughs> <laughs> and they have a picture of two people with four dancing penguins. So that's another thing. There is just humor all around on the internet. If you can't find any directly in your life, um, you know, it's just it's just pervasive on the internet. One more. Here's one. Um, someone sent me the other day. It's a sign that says, "Do not let them take your temperature going into the store. It's a scam." They're erasing your memory. I went in the store to buy bread and eggs and came home with ice cream and Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I guess uh, one of the things I wanted to sort of just highlight is that it's not that we're sort of minimizing the kind of severity of what's happening and all of that, but it's like you said, it's, it's choosing what you focus on. The, the reality of the situation is the reality of the situation and we can focus on the, the negatives or we can choose to try and find the positives and it's it's not minimizing it it's just you know it, it's it's yeah like you said choosing and it also made me think of um victor frankel who um what we focus on i, I can't remember the, the quote um yeah, where he's um 
It's funny, I was going to mention that. Yeah. I, I forgot. <laughs> Thank you, Hannah. Okay. Um, he wrote Man's Search for Meaning, and he was in a concentration camp. And um, he actually, I can't even imagine this, and I show people how to lighten up with humor. He would joke with a guard or another prisoner, and it might be joking just about the few crumbs of bread they had that evening or something, but he would he would purposely find something to make a lighthearted, we're not talking about fall down laughter, just some lighthearted comment. And he credits that in part with his survival and that he said the only power we really have, and it's what we've been talking about in this interview, the only power we really have is our attitude. And so that little joking, he said he looked forward to every day that at night he would meet this one or two prisoners with him to joke about something that they found that day. And so it gave him something to look forward to. And what it is, humor is a coping mechanism. So it helped them cope and gave them hope. Coping and hoping. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose if you have that moment of, of laughter, it's that kind of joy and just kind of feeling really alive. So I guess even in that like unimaginably horrific environment, if you're having those moments where you just feel alive and your kind of soul's alive, it, yeah, like you said, gives you that. Yeah, because you know, nobody could take him, they could take away his clothes, even his food, you know, they could take away everything, shave his head, you know, nothing. But he still had that ability to lighten up at least a little bit. And uh, yeah, that's again, choice, attitude, no matter what's yeah. happening. Awesome. So uh, yeah, so we kind of um, talked about Corona and I've got a question in a little bit where I'll ask you to share some uh, top tips to, um, for people who are struggling. But before we get to those, I have some other questions I ask everyone and I would love to hear your thoughts on these. Great. Yeah, so the first one is, what always brings you joy in your life? Oh God, there's so many things. <laughs> uh, my daughter, my partner, um, my work, you know, helping people. When I get a letter from someone how one line in a book has totally changed their life. I got a letter from a teenager, she was depressed, ready to commit suicide. And uh, something I said, uh, you know, changed her life. Um, it can't be any better than that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. And so then the next one, sometimes it's similar, sometimes it's not, uh, is what makes life meaningful for you? That I'm able, that I've given, been given this talent to um, help people. Um, and even, you know, when I used to do my workshop, sometimes I'd get a negative review and I, but then what I realized if I have just helped one person in the audience, that's it. That's all I need. Yeah. I think that often with the, the podcast and I'm in quite a few podcasting groups now and, and people starting out get really fixated on the numbers of listeners and, and kind of growing it. And I kind of think, yes, it would be nice to have, you know, top, top podcast, massively successful. But if just one person listens and it helps them, then that is enough for me. I enjoy it. 
I enjoy the process. And if, yeah, just one person gets something out of it, then that's, that's enough. Yeah. Yes. I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for the talent I've been giving to do that. And that, um, and that, you know, things in my life, um, you know, I have wonderful place to live, wonderful family, friends, food on the table, <laughs> fairly healthy, you know, things go wrong, but fairly healthy. Um, I'm very grateful for all of that. Yeah. Great head of hair, you know. Uh, <laughs> well, I've had, the, you know, I was almost like this since high school. So I'm pretty used to it. And sometimes I, years ago at least, uh, well, even more recently, women would come over to me and like kiss me on the head and say, oh, I love bald heads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's that, um, you know, all kinds of appearances are attractive to all kinds of people, aren't they? And I think, again, it's that the way you focus, if you focus on, oh, I, I'm losing my hair, people aren't going to find it attractive. And you'll find examples of people who aren't attracted to it. And then that confirms it. But then actually, there's all these other people that do find it attractive. And if you focus on that, then it's suddenly like, hey, check me out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. 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 It's all about, and there's a, you know, if you think of actors, um, there's so many different types and stuff, and some of them are real, you know, distinctive. Their looks are like not so beautiful, but the reason they're popular or the reason, you know, um, they've made it is because of their looks, because they look different than everyone else. Yeah, well, it, it can be charismatic. And so I think a good example is Benedict Cumberbatch. And there's a, a um, a sketch on SNL and they have uh, some of the, the, the kind of male comedians and they're trying to play this game of why is Benedict Cumberbatch so attractive? Cause they're like, I just don't get it. And, and, and Benedict was such a good sport cause he was in on it. And at the end, the, the kind of male comedian is like, Oh, I totally get it now. I totally get it. And, cause he's got these really loyal fans, but I guess maybe a, a more distinct look that can be divisive for, for, for some people, but yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess honor the way you look, you know, treasure, treasure the way you look. Because um, you're the only one in the world that looks like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Amazing. My next uh, two questions are kind of around the, the overall theme of the podcast. So we're always talking about mental well-being, mental wellness. And so the first question is, what does mental wellness mean to you? Uh, being content with what I have, what I've been given. Um, I, I guess that's it. Just being, being, being content. I don't have to be super happy or <laughs> jump up and down every day, but just um, whatever it is I'm given to, to a great teacher of mine once said, to want what you don't have is to waste what you do have. To want what you don't have is to waste what you do have. So just being content with what you have, I think, um, is is what for me mental. Um, what did you call it? Wellness. Mental. Yeah, mental wellness. wellness. Yeah. 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 Uh, before I ask you the follow up, and I, I don't want to keep kind of staying on body image, but the thing that kind of came up for me then when when you said that is, you know, I think quite often a lot of us will feel you know, not happy with how we look. And then we'll look back at a picture from like five years ago when we weren't happy and we'll go, oh, I wish I looked like that now. And it's, 
<laughs> it's like a you know I guess a really obvious example of what you just said of you're wishing um for something different and then you look back and like oh, I wish I'd sort of made the most of that and just felt comfortable in my own skin and yeah yeah and see when I look back five years ago I had no hair then I have no hair now so <laughs> there's no difference oh, there you go <laughs> in fact you know, every like 25 years, I go to some relative's wedding or every 20 years. And every time I go, every time for years, every time I go, they look, you don't look much different. <laughs> you don't look any different than last time. <laughs> you know, there you go. You're just not aging. You're just... <laughs> yeah, so I, that's, I'll take that. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So then my, my follow-up uh, to the question before I kind of <laughs> went off on a tangent is how you look after your own mental well-being. Well, um, how do I look at Well, like gardening, I love that dog. I love walking the dog, you know, having the dog around. Um, I don't know. I think my work, writing, you know, somehow writing is, is um, like the next book I have coming out is The Awe, A-W-E Factor. And it just really, um, things in the book are things I hadn't thought about for years and really kind of nurtured me and uh, made me feel good about some of the past in my life. Um, and just that I'm showing people that they're, in that particular book, that there's awe all around us. In the other books, I've shown them about humor or positivity. So just the, uh, I get nurtured, I guess, from sharing with others. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah, my, my next question, sometimes a bit of a challenge, is can you describe your own mindset? Describe my own mindset? Yeah. Um, if I had one word, the word that just came to my mind was silly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love being silly. I think being silly is one of the healthiest things you can do. Um, an example, my daughter is now over 50 and I'm over 80 and um, we'll walk down the street together and I don't know about it in the UK, but we have parking meters that look like huge microphones. And so we'll go over and we'll like sing a song together in the <laughs> parking meter. <laughs> do you get uh, funny looks when you do it? Yeah, yeah, so what? <laughs> I, it's, do you know what? I think sometimes when, when people do that, if you're doing something you know, silly or full of joy, I think the, the funny looks are people who are kind of, they're just uncomfortable because they're not that free to just express themselves. They're kind of holding themselves back from it. So I think it's sometimes it's kind of tinged with a bit of jealousy. It's kind of that, what are they doing? But really, I think it's like, oh, I wish I, wish I could... Uh, yeah, so um, being being silly, I just, uh, if you saw my office, there's toys around, there's, I don't know, Teletubbies, I have a set of Teletubbies <laughs> from TV, I don't know if you know what that is. I just yes. have, uh, well, I was going to show your audience, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like the the um, the background you've got, it's a virtual background. Oh, well, it was a friend's birthday the other day, and we had a Zoom party. Ah. So I put up this um, background, I, a very colorful, that says happy birthday. I thought it was for me because it's my birthday on Sunday. <laughs> oh my goodness, so it is for you. Yes, the <laughs> reason I have it, Anna, is because it's your birthday <laughs> coming up. Yeah. yeah. 
That's the other thing is birthdays are amazing. If you tell someone it's your birthday, they light up. I did an experiment once. I went around telling people it's my birthday. And um, actually it was, I was out of town. I know this. I was out of town. I was speaking um, miles, you know, a thousand miles from home. I was kind of down when I woke up that morning because my family and friends were not around for my birthday. And I thought, I'm going to do something really nice. So I bought flowers. I bought something, a really great dinner and stuff. But I started to tell people it's my birthday. And I just noticed how they lit up, how they just joyously lit up. And I realized it doesn't even have to be your birthday. <laughs> you can just go tell people it's my birthday. And they'll wish happy birthday, the big smile. You know, I went in the store, this woman probably making $5 an hour, you know, low wage, and um, told her it was my birthday. And she just glowed and, and just. Yeah. I am. Um, I worked at a summer school like several years in a row. And I had uh, some, it was an international summer school. And I had, um, they actually, they were Spanish, Italian, uh, brother and sister in my class, kind of two two years in a row, I think. And um, they were there the week it was my birthday because my birthday's in the summer holiday. And I hadn't told them it was my birthday. They kind of found out just like a little, like a couple of days before. And they were so angry with me because I hadn't told them it was my birthday in advance because they wanted to get me a gift, which was so sweet. They got me some chocolate from Cadbury World, which was lovely. But like the students, they, they you know, and uh, kids, I think especially, they love birthdays. So they made cards, they made pictures, they... They wrote on the whiteboard in the room all these messages. But yeah, if you had, because I, I hadn't told them, they were angry. They were like, why didn't you tell us it was your birthday? Because they wanted to celebrate. And it was, and so it's lovely actually having that. And actually the summer school was very sweet because there are a few of us that have birthdays. And so they would get cake for the, for the house and we'd get a piece of it. Really, it's for the, the girls in the house, but they loved it because they're having a birthday party like for you. And so actually seeing it through child eyes again as an adult is a, uh, yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, so birthdays are great to bring joy to people. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. So now is the the kind of the big tips question. So um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I always ask. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always ask the the guests that come on to share one to three tips with uh, with the listeners of things that they could put in place in their life that are really going to help them. So maybe, you know, as we're in a weird time at the moment, do you have one to three tips that you would suggest to people? Yes, to help of them? course I do. So um, have something around that helps you lighten up. So one thing that I've done for years, everyone in my program always gets one, is have a red rubber <laughs> clown nose. Okay, so I just it on Hannah could see it you guys listening cannot but uh, what happens when you put it on is I start to smile because I know the way I look other people start chuckling um, so and and so if you're down one day put this on and look in the mirror and you it's hard to stay <laughs> looking like this um, so have things around that lighten you up. Here's, um, my dog is older now, but here's a photo of when she was a puppy. So I have that on my desk and it just, I just look at that and lighten up. 
have another picture. You talked about camp. My daughter was in camp and wanted a cream pie thrown in her face. <laughs> so uh, she got off the camp bus, 40 kids around, and I threw this in her face. And I had this picture. She is like glowing. It's something she wanted. So that picture, having that picture around is um, something that um, lightens me up immediately. And then, you know, again, back to choice where we started from. Um, a famous quote and a famous affirmation, uh, a famous saying or something someone said, your kid said or something, just have that around um, to help you to um, lighten up. I'm looking if I have one on my in front of me. I don't write this moment. I, mm, I don't know if it's the same. I've got one on my desk. Hang on, I was having a thought. What did I? Nope. <laughs> That's something. I was looking at other things I have just saw. Oh, yes. So this is, this is a, a Simon Sinek quote that I have just on my desk. Uh, Life is beautiful, not because of the things we see and do. Life is beautiful because of the people we meet. So I have that on my, on my desk. And I was sort of, I have all these little notes I write on. And I was clearing them out and I saw that one. And I was like, nope, that one can stay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, mine are behind me. But I also, you know, I write books with lots of um, affirmations and, and quotes in it. So I could, uh, and they're all around, my books are all around me. So I could always um, just pick one up and open the book. In fact, that's the way I like to use it is just open a book. In fact, why don't I do, can I do that? Just open this. The book is Positive Thoughts for a Troubling Time. Um, oh, wow. I don't know who this is, Lindsay Reicher, R-I-E-T-Z-S-E-H. It's vital to our survival to be positive. And that's my quote for the day. Okay, that's good fun. I've got a little book of um, quotes I've written out. It's downstairs somewhere because I, uh, for Mental Health Awareness Week, I was going live every day and I was so just finishing each of them with like a random, random quote um, boost. But yeah, thank you so much for those. and. I love the uh, the red nose and it made me think of, I don't know if you have this where you are, but we have comic relief each year. And so it's a, a kind of um, televised charity fundraiser, but it's comedy. So lots of TV shows will do special uh, sketches for it, but they sell these squeaky red noses and each year they've got- Red nose day. Yeah, red nose day. Yes, yeah, so they have different, uh, different styles about, I just remember particularly when I was younger. People have emailed me thinking that I and I started it because uh, <laughs> I've given out I don't know fifty thousand red noses in my programs or something like that. So, but I didn't. But I do have a quote that I just thought that I wrote that I'd like to share. It's um, your attitude is the crayons that color your life. So that's in one of my books somewhere. Mm. I love, I love a good quote. I guess also like a good metaphor. They're great because you can kind of, you take from it whatever you take from it. Those quotes that you can make them personal the way you interpret them. So they're just, just great in that way. So yeah, thank you for those. Uh, and so my, my very last question is how people can connect with you online if they're interested in grabbing your books, if they want to find out more uh, or interested in working with you, where can they find you? 
Okay, two really simple places. One is my website, which is um, www.allenkline.com. Got to spell it right though. A-L-L-E-N-K-L-E-I-N.com, allenkline.com. Or Amazon has all of my books. Type in Alan Klein, A-L-L-E-N-K-L-E-I-N. However, Alan Klein used to be the Beatles manager. <laughs> so you might get a couple of his books or his books about him thrown in there. Um, he died a couple of years ago, so that's not me. <laughs> I'm still alive. Uh, all of my books are on Amazon uh, or other sites where you buy your books. And I know they're available in the UK. Uh, it's the uh, Alan Klein, the Beats Magic. Is his name spelt the same way as yours as well? Exactly the same. <laughs> exactly the same. Do you ever get people who just kind of go, oh, I didn't know that you managed the Beatles before all of this? Well, when I lived in New York City, I, I'd get phone calls all the time. Things like, my daughter just did a drawing of the Beatles. You, you really want this uh, for the cover of their next album, you know? I said, but I'm not Alan Klein. Yes, you are. <laughs> well, I am, but it's not. <laughs> Did you ever find like booking restaurants? They'd be like, oh, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> uh, I don't think, no, oh. no. I could have gotten into good restaurants maybe, but yeah. I don't know. Missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah, oh well. Next, next uh, slide. <laughs> next. <laughs> yeah, I don't think um, anyone famous has my name. It's always fun if you like Google your own name and, and see what comes up. And actually most that comes up now is actually me. And then it'll be like, uh, there, there was a Hannah Stainer that lived in like the 18th century that unfortunately died. Uh, and so that will come up. <laughs> bit true. And so I'm like, well, it's, um, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Alan. I've, I've really, really enjoyed uh, speaking with thank you. you. And, it's been lovely. Uh, yeah. It's been nice. But it's been lots of humor and, uh, yeah, I've enjoyed it. So thank you so much for everything you've thank shared you. with us. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks again to Alan. And yeah, I definitely felt lighter after this conversation. Um, and it, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I think it's been one of these these things over the past few months of kind of swinging between focusing on the loss and the, the lost opportunities, the loss of loved ones, potentially the kind of the difficulties and, and everything that's around around that, but also trying to think about the opportunities and, and the positives. And that's not to take away from the fact that it's really hard and it's really difficult at times, but it just, you know, if we're always focusing on what we've we've missed out on and what's difficult, then it just it feels heavy, doesn't it? It can be really draining and we can feel really down. Um, and so trying to think positive and, you know, I'm not someone who's like, yeah, positive all the time, but I think sometimes trying to have that positive spin, trying to find the silver linings uh, can be really beneficial. Um, so for myself, I was supposed to be getting married in July this year. That didn't happen you know, I could have dwelt on that a lot. And to be honest, I was quite maybe blase about it. <laughs> it just quite matter of fact, really, that it just didn't happen. So next year we have rescheduled and hopefully it'll go ahead. It might not look the way it originally did, but hopefully 
I'm sure it will just be amazing, however it is. Um, so thinking about the positives that maybe we can change what we were doing slightly, maybe it will be more intimate, less stressful, who knows. But uh, yeah, for myself this month, I'm whatever the world looks like on Wednesday when you're listening to this, um, yeah, thinking about my self-care and maybe thinking about what what I have learned from this experience or reflecting on what is important to me. Um, I have spent this week, I've (laughs) been talking about it while I had the week off, I am, and I said I was going to declutter, and I have uh, decluttered my spare room, which is my kind of study where I record, and the lounge. So it is looking a lot different, a lot better, a lot lighter. Um, yeah, it just, it just, the energy feels so, so different. Um, and with it, I'm kind of feeling calmer and a kind of slower pace. And it's really weird how stuff can equal that feeling of not enough time it's a it's a weird thing I don't know if that sounds familiar to someone to any of you that having all this stuff around you that in the weight of it can just make it feel like everything's a rush and you don't have time for anything and so suddenly having a a clearer space I feel like I've got more time I feel calmer and we will see how long it lasts because I tend to just accumulate stuff around me and I haven't touched my wardrobe yet. So that's still on the to-do list. Um, I've kind of gone off on a tangent. I don't know what my <laughs> what my point was. Um, but yes, I, I hope you are well, whatever the world looks like. And I hope that you found this episode helpful in some way. As always, please do rate and review the podcast. Let us know what you think. We love to hear your feedback. You can also drop me a message uh, either on Instagram or Facebook where I hang out the most at Psyche Coaching, P-S-Y-K-H-E Coaching. You can email me directly if you want, S at psyche.co.uk. And you can buy me a coffee if you've enjoyed listening to this episode and you want to fuel the creative process <laughs> the next uh, episode, then on coffee, K-O hyphen F-I, you can send me a coffee. And my name is Hannah Psyche felt the usual way so if you like to send me a message send me a coffee that would be fab but I really hope that however your week is going whatever you have on that you can find the positives and that you can have a good week be kind to yourself and we will be back on Monday with another fab episode when we are joined by Chandler Walker Uh, So I hope that you join us for that. Have a good week. Take care. Bye.